you are listening to The Indie Says Operator, the podcast where we interview founders who are actually in the trenches. We talk about the transparent journey of how they build their SaaS companies, how they grow them, and what they would do differently if they would do it all over. Hey folks, with us today, Gotham J from famewall.io. Gotham, super happy to have you. Yeah. Thanks for having me here, Nicholas. Glad to talk with you. Perfect. Let's dive right in. So what problem does FameWall actually solve? Yeah, so the problem uh, is actually that you have a lot of entrepreneurs and creators who would uh, like to have social proof on their website so that there are higher chances for potential website visitors to convert into customers, right? But the problem is there is uh, it's not easy to collect social proof. Like A lot of entrepreneurs and creators use Google Sheets and it gets messy. Uh, you have to follow up with your customers to get testimonials and so on. So FameWall actually helps you solve that problem uh, by using a simple link to collect testimonials and including text and videos from your customers and simply host them on your website using a custom widget. Like you don't have to go through any of the complicated stuff. It's simply uh, set up using no code. God, how did you stumble upon that problem? Yeah, so the problem, uh, this problem uh, is actually having a lot of existing solutions in the market. But it happened when uh, I was building, I was working on my previous project, uh, which was for in the Indian consumer market. But uh, then it was actually super hard to collect testimonials using the existing solution itself. And even the good ones were mostly expensive and out of reach for small businesses and entrepreneurs and creators like me. So that's when I started uh, building FameWall in public. And since then, I've, I've it's, it's just grown uh, well. I could say, yeah. On on the, I would love to double click on the building in public part because you like for everyone who follows you on Twitter, they know it. For those who don't, you are like very transparent on your solopreneur journey. How did you, or why did you make the decision to build in public? Right, that's a, that's actually a good question. So uh, my business is everything about trust, right? Like. Uh, For for example, to give somebody a testimonial, a customer needs to trust that business well. Like they wouldn't want uh, to spread bad word of mouth for others. So it's it's fundamentally built on trust. My business is fundamentally built on trust. So built in public just adds to that. Uh, as as a business owner who's running a business built on trust. So for example, uh, customers get to see what uh, I do. Like uh, usually, I don't uh, paint rosy pictures of what happens in entrepreneurship. Like. I just share everything, uh, including the downfalls. Like, uh, if I don't feel good on some days, I just share it publicly. And uh, and in some ways, it has actually helped me because I've had customers who mentioned that uh, they found the product from Twitter and they converted into paying customers because they felt that uh, this was a good product to back on and they trusted me as a founder. Got it, got it. And then... Stay, staying on the, the being transparent part, you also openly talked about like the, the hard parts about the journey so that it's even like sure burnout is maybe like too far, but basically that it, that it sometimes feels like even getting in that direction. So first off, could you describe like how that feeling started for you and then what you did to overcome it or even if you overcame it? Because like for me personally, I know in my entrepreneurial journey, There were even like months where I felt burned out and like it, it really took a while to get out of that. But I, I, I love that you shared that so openly because I think like not a lot of people do. So I, I would love to, to dig deeper on that topic. Yeah, so it actually started, uh, I didn't know that uh, this might potentially lead to burnout. Like it actually started for fun. Uh, 
So I thought maybe I could uh, work all weekends and weekdays for just uh, since the last two weeks because I thought I, I felt I had a lot of energy. So what happened was during the first week, I didn't notice anything like I was feel, still feeling fresh. Uh, so during the weekends, I used to code on features which customers asked and then fix bugs during the weekend status uh, on Saturdays and Sundays. And during the weekdays, I do my marketing tasks, which is like uh, uh, creating content on Twitter, doing outreach on social media and so on. So I was doing this for a period of uh, two weeks. During the end of the second week, I, I felt a slight drain in my energy. And that's when I actually paused everything. Like I didn't want to uh, burn out because I knew that if I, I still kept pushing myself, it would actually burn me out. And, and actually yesterday, uh, I wasn't able to work properly. Like, uh, so the feeling of burnout, uh, like for me personally, I identify burnouts when uh, you don't have the energy to wake up on work, work on something which you actually love. Like, uh, you just feel like closing your laptop and just being away for a day or something like that. So, so yeah, so that was when I felt it creeping in. But now, actually, fortunately, I don't have any symptoms of one. That's perfect. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's a very smart decision to really take the rest day just like an athlete would and not just think, okay, I have to hustle through that. Um, let, let's dive into like the the more like tactical and like businessy part. So could you just to to set the frame for the rest of the convo, could you give us a rough overview of either revenue if you share that or just amounts of customers just to get a get a state and a feel for where you are at right now with Famewall? Right. So it's currently close to around uh, six hundred dollars in monthly recurring revenue, and uh, and there is a, there are around forty two customers at the moment. Uh, so what happened was like at the till now I was growing Famewall organically. I, I relied too much on Twitter, so that was something I've been pondering about. Like uh, only since last month I started trying out different channels, but until then, all uh, all the revenue till date has come organically from uh, Twitter and creating content on Twitter and LinkedIn. But apart from that, uh, I've seen a quite uh, some amount of success with uh, cold outreach on Twitter. Uh, but yeah, there are a lot of developments going around on Twitter lately. There are, uh, since due to the platform restrictions, a lot of tools are closing down. So yeah, I'm still working on uh, finding a consistent channel to grow uh, the business. Yeah. So when did you actually start working on it? Just to 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 set the timing of basically when you started like using Twitter as a as a like growth mechanism, and then uh, yeah, yeah. So to give a clear picture, like. I actually started creating content on Twitter, uh, not just about my business, but as a as a person uh, just last year. So this started back in uh, February. So I had no experience uh, building products or uh, setting up businesses before that. I was just a software developer. So uh, during March was when I started building Finwall in public. But what happened was after a period of two months, I thought maybe I could try out a different product just uh, because that time there was this idea of uh, having small bets, right? But unfortunately, the other product I built out, uh, that was that was an email marketing tool in itself. I enthusiastically started building the product because I had uh, problems with sending emails for my customers at Famewall back when I started in March. So it stemmed from a problem I had. But unfortunately, I couldn't uh, focus fully on Mailboard because uh, as a, uh, since it was an email marketing tool, it required a lot of energy from me where I had to manually do demo calls with potential customers who are especially B2B companies. And then I had to also work on uh, market coding uh, features since uh, it's a marketing uh, email marketing tool. Customers 
requires a certain set of features by default. So I felt that uh, I might not be able to do this for a year. So what happened was after working on it for two months, I just wanted to put it on hold. But parallelly, Famewall was getting in customers even without me doing any marketing during that period. So that's when I jumped back to Famewall again uh, after a few months. So what happened was I worked uh, on Famewall for March and then back uh, and then I resumed it back in October last year. So since October, I've been working on it till now. Got it. So excluding the break, I think that's like roughly one one year where you like put yeah. work into that, and then how? Why did you make the decision that Twitter is like not the only thing that should lead traffic? Because in the end, like if you can scale one traffic source, I think that's like totally fine. So. Like, did something happen that you like stopped being happy with the amount of traffic that came via Twitter, or like, why are you now trying to get more things going, basically besides the organic growth? Yeah. So uh, with Twitter, is that uh, one thing I've noticed is my target audience is more of a small businesses and uh, solopreneurs. Twitter does have them, but uh, they're quite fragmented. You could say like most of uh, most of my tweets are reaching uh, people who are. Uh, indie hackers you could say like they know to build products and they're running a business as a solopreneur so something like that but uh, they're not the ideal uh, customer segment for me like they do con they do convert as paying customers but according to lifetime value if i see it's more of uh, course creators and content creators and something like that so uh, i'm just experimenting uh, by reaching out to them instead so that's what i'm doing as in this long Yeah, so if I understood correctly, you found out just by looking at the metrics that ghostwriters and like content creators are basic. So the non non tech peeps basically are your best customers, and now exactly. you're trying specific channels to go after them. Basically, yeah, got it. This episode is brought to you by ReactSquad.io, the boutique React agency for SaaS startups. If your front end team is overwhelmed and you need more hands on deck. Go to reactsquad.io and get a React.js developer embedded in your team in less than seven days. And then what's your, like, what's your take on code outreach so far? I mean, it's brand new for you, but I know that especially product people, which I would count myself into as well, are like a bit hesitant with everything that's like cold, basically. Um, so how is it going for you so far? Yeah, so uh, regarding that, I also tried cold emails. Like for outreach, I was trying out cold emails and uh, social DMs. So uh, I actually didn't find any amount of success with cold emails. And I, I wasn't really enjoying it either because uh, there's a lot of things that goes behind cold emails, like uh, uh, sending a short copy, following it up with a question, and then again having follow up emails and so on. But uh, I wasn't actually enjoying the process of finding out leads from there and doing it, so on. But But social DMs are actually different. Uh, the the thing with social DMs is that people, uh, your prospects can verify your uh, account directly by just clicking on your profile. So they'll know what type of content you create and what the other people uh, are saying about you in the comments and so on. So that's actually a different thing. Uh, so I just keep my uh, social DMs simple. Like I just tell about my product and I ask them if it would be helpful for them. So it doesn't end up as a cold sales pitch. I just ask them if it would be helpful. Uh, if they don't find it helpful, they they wouldn't usually reply. So that doesn't that isn't the problem. So if they find it helpful, helpful, uh, they just reply to me and asking about more details. 
Got it. So, so in summary, you're using your socials because you have a bit of a following, you're publishing content, so you have the social proof there, basically. And then you're doing like a non-hard sell, meaning you're, you're not the typical sales guy reaching out, but you're just like having like a casual first DM, basically. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Interesting, interesting. So do you think that it's like a very cool combo to have the content creation to build social proof for the DMs? Or do you think the DMs could even work for people who maybe create less content? Uh, you mean my ideal customer segment or? Uh... No, I mean, like, basically, like, if for the un other, like, indie hackers listening, do you think they should do the content creation part even just to have the ability to have more success with the outreach? Or do you think the outreach would even work if you would just have like a proper profile, basically? Yeah, so I actually think um, one thing you could try out is like, uh, you can try to build an audience by the side, but it's not mandatory, uh, as you mentioned. Because I, I've seen a lot of founders who had success without having an audience on Twitter. Yeah, it's just a message that matters. Like, if they if they see you as a subject matter expert, they'll just definitely reply to your uh, DM. Got it. And then, so right now, regarding like it's on your website, I guess free users are in there as well. You have like a thousand plus users, six hundred dollars MRR, forty plus customers. So, what's the next goal you set for yourself at this stage? Do you have like a specific MRR target you're going after, or like how do you plan to? go from here basically in the next year right so actually uh so 1k mrr would ideally give me uh the the condition you could say like uh having enough money not to worry about the next month's expenses Some, mm -hmm. since since i'm in india right now uh the expenses are quite cheap here so 1k mrr would do good for me but ideally my target is to reach 5k mrr and beyond so and along the way i i i actually made up my mind uh To, to be in for a slow and steady growth because I'm actually upskilling myself uh, and trying to unlearn things I learned as a software developer, right? So it, I know it actually takes quite some time, but I'm ready for it as well. What are, what are those things that you actively have to unlearn? Like the simple thing is, uh, for example, it might, be, it might sound cliche, like uh, you might think that having a great product would do everything, right? Like, But it's actually about distribution and having an uh, like having a channel to rely on. So, for example, you might be building a product, but you might build an audience along the way while building the product. But even if that product fails, you'll be able to uh, build something else, which will get you get you to success just because you had uh, some amount of distribution already. So, I'm just saying this as a long term game, like uh, over a period of two to three years. But yeah, uh, for the short term. 5K MRR is my goal for now. Got it. And do you see yourself hiring employees or do you do you really want to double down on like the solo entrepreneur uh, path? No, nothing like that. Like if it actually frees up more of my time, I'd be happy to hire uh, freelancers and uh, others too. So that will not be a problem. Even full-time, I might employ full-time employees uh, if it's if it suits me, it's, if it suits my lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting because a lot of indie hackers, at least the ones you see on Twitter, are like the want to do it solo forever, basically, because they just don't want the potential headache of having employees. Is there like some, some like, let's say, maybe fear is the wrong word, or like uh, 
do you do you have doubts that the having employees will will still be fun or are you just interested in like going through the through the journey basically so actually uh, the thing is uh, so for me it's just a matter of getting to learn new perspectives for example if if i don't have any employees i might only rely upon uh, other founders and creators on platforms like twitter right so but with employees there'll be different dynamics i get to know what they think uh, when they approach a problem like uh, i get to know my own pitfalls if i'm improving or not something like that like i just see it as an opportunity to learn more about uh, myself and improve uh, by hiring got it got it and then one final thing before you wrap up i think building an audience if it be on twitter or on linkedin is like still a thing that can be very valuable and building in public as well asking for myself here so super uh, super interested myself what is something that you think someone being brand new to building in public should do or like what's a mi good mindset to be in or just like how how can one get going because for me personally sometimes it feels a bit weird to just like talk about yourself and what you're doing so i'm right now if i share something it's typically typically I learned something by deeply studying it and then I share the learning but it's like totally detached from myself as a human and from the company I'm building even so any any tips for that right actually that's a good question like I actually thought if I were to start again on Twitter due to some platform ban or something I I was just thinking what I do so the thing is it's actually quite hard like people usually say it's easy like they give you 10 growth hacks but it's actually hard to grow on platforms like LinkedIn and Twitter because uh, there is a lot of content out there and but the thing people might be interested in with you is your expertise like you might have your own take on things right so you have to uh, you have to have a balance like at least in the early stages when you're going from zero to say a thousand followers you need to actively spend around at least or sixty uh, percent of your time engaging with people rather than posting content but uh, for that itself you have to find out people in your niche like whom you might be uh, like post content you might be interested to read so what happens is it will be uh, it, it'll have it'll set a flywheel in motion like you will start reading content of some people you like and you might create content uh, replying to those content like something like uh, those it might take inspiration from that from that content so uh, you have to add your own take like uh, when you create a tweet uh, you have to take care that the hook is something people might be interested in because even as a growing creator no i've had some of my tweets which don't uh, get much traction but uh, the main reason for that is uh, the hooks are bad pretty bad or the content itself doesn't have some of your unique technique you might say uh, content uh, seo is overrated or something like that here are 10 tips if you say something like that it's just commoditized any other creator can come up and uh, create such content but for example if you if you mention something like I tried this SEO marketing campaign. This was the result. Something that that could be improved is this. Something like that. If you could condense it in a single tweet, uh, even if it doesn't get traction, people will start noticing. Uh, if you just start being consistent over a period of weeks, you will uh, eventually uh, start growing faster on Twitter. Got it. So basically, sharing the things like SEO tips, but then not from the theoretical perspective, but basically, hey, here is what we tested. Here, what we, here's what we learned, and maybe even here are all fuck ups. So that's how exactly. you would go about it if you had to do it again. Plus, then spending like 50, 60% of the time engaging with people, getting like one, follow, one follower after another by like hand to hand combat, basically. Exactly.
Awesome, cool, man. Then for the, we talked so much about Twitter, like how can people find you on Twitter? Yeah, so uh, you can you, you can put up my uh, handle. So it's just Gautam J8. Uh, the username is Gautam J8 and it's the name is Gautam J. Awesome, perfect. Then it was super fun chatting with you and uh, talk to you soon on Twitter. Yeah, sure. Nice to catch up with you. If you like this episode, you will love our newsletter, The SaaS Operator by Early Node. Get actionable insights from SaaS veterans like Patrick Campbell, Christoph Jans, and Corey Haynes right into your inbox. A five-minute read every Tuesday for free. Go to allnode.com and subscribe for free.